Hello, beautiful human. Thanks for clicking on our conversation with Nahorn and Ash, two incredible human beings and, and spectacular artists. A lot to talk about. Let's get to it. Okay, here we go. Let's do this. You're, you're curating a set, right? You're going to be doing a live stream concert for them. Yeah, we're going to do a gig from the Royal Albert Hall on the 7th of uh, November. Royal Albert Hall is like one of the greatest venues on the planet. And it was my first choice. And thank God they had us. They were going to have us. Um, and we're just going to, every penny we make, we're going to give it all to my, first of all, my touring crew. <clears throat> and then what's left over if there is, we'll uh, pass around to We Need Crew, which is a, a fund here in the UK and in Ireland as well. Because um, they've been by the governments when they're part of such a, a massive industry. An industry just like so many that is hurting right now. So I thank you for doing it, but also serving a need. I am hungry. One of the conversations <laughs> I was having with Ash the other day, or the other day, I've lost all track time everything <laughs> feels like it was the other day but it's not you know um so i guess a few weeks ago i don't know but i was saying in my opinion heartbreak weather sadly was the most underrated body of work of the year deserved way more love and attention i mean it, it, it just it is such top to bottom i'm just so obsessed with it and for me it's grown on me throughout this quarantine and over the last few months i mean i still listen to dear patients every day so it's <laughs> like it, it's really flawless and by the way thank you for the cover ash thank you i yeah. it's my favorite it's my favorite oh. on the whole album <laughs> hey, that, that cover is better than the original it's like <laughs> <laughs> uh no I, yeah i mean i would have liked to have gone around the world a couple of times uh and promoted it but um there was this thing there's this virus going around Dude, literally, people are wearing masks it's crazy I mean, it, it coincided together because you were supposed to come on our show to for, for album promo, and we ended up, you were the last guest that we had to cancel on, and it was, yeah, tragic top to bottom, but ultimately, you're going to bring this body of work to life, but you have other albums to pick and choose from, so how do you, is it a challenge to curate the set list? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to play a few from the first album. Which one? And then, and then mostly, I mean, slow hands. This town. Yeah. I mean, you know, the obvious. Um, I'm going to play mostly the new ones because then the fans never got to see it at all, and uh, like, I don't, and yeah, so then they might never, based on you know whatever tour happens next and what music I might bring out next year or whatever. By the time I tour, I could have songs that push some of these songs out, you know, for the next set list. So I'm going to try and play as many of these ones as I can for now. Uh, and uh, obviously myself and Ash are going to try and stick something together as well, which could be quite nice. Y'all haven't met in person before, right? No, we still might not be. <laughs> we may never. We may never. We may ever. never meet. It might be the joke just for us to like be friends, <laughs> yeah. but never, like, even if we're like at an award show or something, we just like avoid each other. <laughs> never come into contact. Sounds <laughs> like a movie. <laughs> too long i know <laughs> true i think your show is gonna be so cool i feel like heartbreak weather needs it's like it needs its moment it yeah. needs a few minutes yeah but anyway 
But anyway. Niall, do you kind of wish the release would have went differently? Like, do you wish you would have held off? Or are you happy with releasing it in the middle of March when everything started getting crazy? How would you know? You can't predict I mean, Yeah, you never know. Well, I mean, I obviously, once I heard that I was going to get kicked out of the country, I was like, right, well, I would like to stop it now. But the time I decided I was going to stop it, the market was flipping in Australia. And they were ready to go. I think they'd nearly gone, actually, by the time I decided I wanted to cancel it. But, I mean... <laughs> If I'd have cancelled it, that means in a real in a real world, I probably wouldn't have brought it out until next year, until everything is clear, and then it's just a you know an album sat there doing nothing. So in a way, I'm kind of glad it's out. Like as an artist, that's hard to do. It's hard to sit on music for any period of time sometimes. But like the concept of like sitting on that album, not creating anything new. Have you been creating anything, both of you, at all? Oh, Ash, Ash, you tell your story on here. Come on. Well, I mean, I've. <laughs> you tell your story. I, I've been finishing, well, finishing. It's close to being done, I think. Um, my first you album. <laughs> I know. I've been saying it forever. And it is, and it is like, we'll get a song and then I'll be like, ooh, this is almost done. But then we'll write another song and then we'll swap out one that I was like, nah, this beats that. Um, so. <laughs> Do you, obviously the strategy has maybe changed since the beginning of that album journey, right? Or does it yeah. remain the same? Well, I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I can't really, I don't know anything we're going to do with the music until it's done. So I think, you know, as it gets closer, you know, we'll start strategizing and all that. But I really would like to be able to tour the, my very first album, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know what the world's going to look like next year. Um, and it's such a, it's such a crapshoot that, but I also don't want to finish an album and not release it for a year and sit on my hands. Like, well, because, so, but then yeah. you end up in the space of like, you're not going to not create for a whole year. So then you end up creating more songs that either is a separate yeah. body of work or could be added to that. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tough one because I think for for me anyway, I would hate to release music right now. Uh, I've, well, I kind of learned about that about six months ago. But <laughs> like, if I had if I had if I had a hit, if just if I had written a hit right now, I wouldn't want to release it until I could actually go around and see the world with it. Because you you release music to to promote it to so the the masses can hear it, and if you only can do. The odd interview on Zoom or, no offense to this interview, the odd interview on Zoom or, you know, like ah. you can't get into a TV studio to do a big performance or yeah. uh, you know, all of that stuff. It's like for me, I can't, even get into, I can't even get into your country right now. Never mind get into a TV studio. So yeah. that's the way I would look at it. And, you, you know, you spend all of this time and we speak about this all the time, guys, don't we, in interviews. We spend all this time nurturing these songs and for them to be just released and just go like that is a bit of a letdown <laughs> Totally. Well, and everything's measured by a number at this point. It's like, mm. instead of real human people and faces, everything is a number from streamings to what number you're on at radio to how many followers you have on Instagram. Every like representation of success is a number. So mm. it, it, it's very, um, it's, dis it's disconnecting. Is that the right word? Like, it makes you feel so separated from real people. So Do you feel like you're making music for data and numbers as opposed to a human being? I mean, you try not 
too. I try not to, but yeah, right now I suppose, <laughs> in a way. Or do you make money, or do you make music for yourself? Well, yeah, oh, well, you would, yeah. first. I, I would I, like. I would personally like to get something that I love. I would love to parade it. Yeah, no, you want it. Yeah, yeah you want it. It's your your favorite child. It's your show and tell item that's shiny as. You want. We're big it. cheesy. We're big cheesy hams. Like we love to. We love to show off our baby, you know? Like, I, I want to play for people. I want them to scream the lyrics back at me, you know? Mm-hmm. You totally- I'm a ham. I pictured a ham, but with, like, blonde hair. You know? Like, yeah. your, face, your face became a ham. <laughs> Just the memes. I ran right into it. Man, damn <laughs> <laughs> but what you're saying is true like like a massive part of the experience is lost a massive part of what it means to put music out into the world just doesn't exist a, a massive part of connecting with another human being doesn't exist but but i do say on the flip side people do need an escape now more than ever and mm. even though i wish with every fiber of my being that heartbreak weather saw more eyes and ears like through tv and all these other places it really was a bright light to get me through a pretty dark time um, mm. because it was just a great body of work to get, like, it, yes, it hit at the right time, but like there is something to music to make it an escape. You know, it depends on how you consume. 100%. And there was other albums that came out that I loved and love my, oh geez, or just kick over a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm obviously in ways sad it was out, but definitely for that reason, that's the reason I, I'm happy it's out because you're, you're one of many that would say that, which is good. Yeah, it's been such a comfort. Guys, let's say this does go on for a lot longer. We hope it doesn't, but if it does, how long can you hold on to music for? I don't know. Uh, you're the one with all the music, Ash. You do the talking. You're going to have plenty of music. I know you're writing and things. I know. I, I don't know. I think it's just such a such a day-by-day thing you know i'd love to have music ready to go um as soon as you know something feels right um i have a a few songs that i am just like just like the most excited i've ever been about and i'm just yeah it's gonna it would break my heart not to release them sooner than later so we'll we'll just see see what the world see what the world does but i mean people need music so Regardless of what's happening in the world, people need music. Is it wrong to say that there's more pressure on this upcoming release than any other release in your entire life? Targeting me? Yeah. Yeah, you're the only one with the release coming. <laughs> I mean, 100%. I mean, I'm trying to... My relationship with music and my career has changed so much just even in the last, you know however six months or since February is when everything really started changing and I've had to you know look at creating music and being an artist in a lot of different ways because before I didn't think any of this stuff would ever happen and now that it's happening my relationship with the music has changed so much Um, just you know when you don't think you're gonna be super successful you just create for you, no holds bar. You're just, you, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing, you don't think there's anything to gain, so there's nothing to lose. But when you have a moment of success, 
suddenly you looking in, you're looking in the mirror and seeing what thousands of people are seeing and how they see you and what kind of music they want you to create. Um, and so, and you know, if the next record I release flops, imagine the, how the world will look at me. And I need to make sure that I'm okay with them looking at me like I suck or them looking at me like I'm a genius. So like I need to be okay with both of yeah. those results. You have to come to terms with, 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 with accepting that. Like what, what is that process like mentally? Do you just yeah. sit there and, and, and manifest and not manifest, but like imagine what the world would be like if the song ended up flopping? No. Way. Yeah. I mean, I have to be, I have to be mentally okay with them not liking what I put out or loving it you know and I think we talked about this the last time I chatted with you but like knowing that like my worth as a human and as art as an artist is not determined by my failures or my successes you know mm -hmm. it has to just be sort of an innate thing I mean I'm not some enlightened human so I'm definitely not there yet <laughs> if people if people hate the next record I put out it'll it'll suck I'll have a really hard time with that. So I'm trying to get to a place where I'll be able to, you know, really juggle that feeling. But hopefully everyone will just love it. <laughs> it's going to be easy. But did you, go back to what you were saying at the start. I think like you, you notice that a lot of artists' best albums were their first albums for that, for that reason, bands especially, because you're, you're, you're writing for yourself and you don't know what's to come. So that's why, like, if Ash wrote most of this album around the time she wrote more of the story, she's gonna we're gonna have some good songs, because if if it was all written afterwards, you know, I think that's what you're trying to say. <laughs> They're all songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you know, like, if you the the say yeah, the second album is nearly written for everyone else in a way. The sophomore album that everybody worries about, and by the way, a cycle again you just came out of, right? So yeah. for you, Niall, is the creation of the second significantly different than the creation of the first? Yeah, it was. This time I was definitely more driven by the vibe. I felt. I'm, I'm, I'm always driven by the vibe I feel off a crowd. Like even with the band, I would always try and write songs, you know, for stadiums, you know, write, you know, write songs for that kind of vibe. Or So with, with, with the first album, it was me sitting a lot of the time on my own with a guitar and a piano Intimate. Uh, at home not knowing what the outcome was going to be afterwards. Then I just tweeted a link to this town one night and then out nowhere I had this solo career that I wasn't kind of expecting. We just got yeah. the time of music I was writing. Second album, I had I'd been in front of a crowd for a year and I couldn't wait to get back into the studio to because to, I remember the, the great moments of the shows were when it was up-tempo and it was crazy. So I tried to write a, bit, a few more up-tempo ones and you kind of start writing for everyone else. So been, this has been a good time to kind of reevaluate do you feel like the second album is less of you oh no no because i'm madly into all different types but if i'm left on my own at the start i'll always pick naturally just pick up an acoustic guitar and start picking when i get into rooms with, with in studio in studio sessions it becomes a bit more up tempo and i and i love that because I, I was in a really good mood the year i was writing it we did some really cool writing trips we oh, it's so much so much fun i absolutely it's all it's all me in there i would i would never release stuff that i didn't really like um so yeah. it's just a diff two different scenarios really yeah and i think it, it's probably it probably isn't that you don't like you know the music or it's less you or anything like that it's just inevitably you are a different artist 
post the success of your first album. I mean, right. we just, we evolve as humans no matter what. And so, I mean, even, you know, going through this time in my life right now and as I'm writing records, you know, if I'm sitting down and I, I'm like, I have the awareness that I'm writing for other people or for other people to like me or write what I think other people want me to write, I just stop writing. It's like day is over, like start again tomorrow. Today's <clears> not <throat> going to be the day, you know? Yeah, big time. yeah, but Niall, with your first solo album, it wasn't like a lot of other artists' first solo album. Like you were coming out of one of the biggest bands in the world, so people had all these expectations of you and what, you know, they didn't know what you, what, what you were going to give, but they kind of knew who you were already. Yeah, well, I think... I think no one was shocked by my first move because they knew I was the fellow with the acoustic guitar. Um, and I think, and I think now that's the way people look at me, the guy with the acoustic guitar and, um, and the guy with the guitar in general, because you have to remember pop music around the time I released slow hands and stuff like that wasn't yeah. very driven by guitars mm-hmm. um, and is more so now. Um, no, I'm not. By the way, that sounded like I was like, I'd made some revolutionary move with a guitar. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, like at the time I was, it, slow hand stood out because it was so different and it was a guitar. Um, so, yeah, obviously I come out with the band and whatever, uh, but I don't think anyone was shocked by what I did, which is good because then they know me. It's good to be the guy with the acoustic guitar. That's Correct. the hottest guy. <laughs> Don't don't be don't be anybody else. That's the best. That's the best guy to be. Mm-hmm. Are any of us surprised over moral of the story being as? I mean, obviously the the original was a huge success, and now the remix has taken on like an additional life. Like it, it, it is, it, it's kind of crazy, right? <clears throat> or I mean, for such a raw personal story, and we talked about it before, Ash. Like I thanked you very heavily for bringing that song into the world because I think it talked to a lot of kids who needed to hear something like that um who may be going watching their parents go through something or you know they're experiencing it somehow in their own lives uh but surprising to see to see it where it is today i mean i knew it was special like if you have a feeling about a song and there's like this innate awareness that you're like this one feels different than all the rest like you know and i remember sitting down with Phineas in my car and playing the demo to him and him being like, this is the best record you have ever written. Like, and us going, this is different. This is different than anything else. Um, And obviously him jumping onto the record the day I showed it to him. And like everything that happened from there, releasing the record and then doing nothing for a year. I mean, that'll kick you in the butt. I don't know if I could say (laughs) what was that that's how you know it was special and good it stood the test of time no matter what and even mm-hmm. a year after you put it out there into the world it still hit right right i guess it, it just needed it needed somebody to believe in it and to sort of give it its platform but i didn't think i would be on pop radio with a divorce record i mean at some point we were like this could work so let's take like let's swing while we got the shot um and then seeing what it's doing i'm like this is pretty weird this is pretty the whole thing is pretty stupid but (laughs) when you guys first connect what's that conversation like like i asked what did you tell niall you were looking for in a feature i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) hi i just hi it's niall (laughs) warian i don't 
remember. I feel like I probably tried to play it super cool and was like, yeah, man, like I'm super stoked that you're going to try to sing on the song. <laughs> no, it wasn't at all. <laughs> what did I, what, I don't remember what I, what I know, it, it, like it, it, the, the idea came, um, or the song came to me through her old publisher, who's now the head, like one of the heads of A&R at Capitol Records, where I am. And she knew, obviously knew Ash and, and, Ash came to her with the song and the song came to me and then me and Ash spoke. And I know it was pretty just like a, I was telling her how much I loved the song, why I loved the song, why I was nervous about while we were singing it. Because, you know, I, we always talk about this, singing a song with that delicate of a, of a lyric is not the easiest thing to do. I mean, it could have been Adele. It could have been Ed. It could have been anyone. And this, Ash still would have had the same nerves because it's a song about her, her actual life. <laughs> so yeah, thankfully she liked it. How do you embody those lyrics? Uh, like, how do you take it and make it your own? Well, I try, I try to, to think about it in the way I, like when I used to sit down to write songs, the story, like I would like to think that I was a storytelling songwriter. I would like to think that I try and place the story as I, as I'm doing it. So I tried to think about it like if I was writing it and, and I tried to correlate it to something within my life as I was singing it. A lot of eyes closed, singing down the microphone type thing, trying to get the emotion out. But if that can very easily go wrong. If you don't get it and you don't get the song, like I had to speak to Ash. I was probably chatting to Ash for a couple of weeks just on FaceTime or whatever before I even put my mouth in front of a microphone. Really? What are you, what are you, what are you trying to learn from, like what are you trying to get out of her that can make yeah, the performance better? I'm just... You know, what do you need to know story-wise? Because the lyrics are very delicate and you are adding a verse to a story that already is being told. Is I feel like idea? even just getting to know me better probably was helpful. Yeah, yeah getting to know you, getting to know the ins and outs of the story that are not written in the, in the song and kind of like trying to make sense of it. Yeah, so I know a lot about it. I'll tell you about the divorce in another interview. <laughs> <laughs> My ex-husband will love that. Amazing. <laughs> Please bu buy tickets to Nile Horns live stream. I'm going to be there. I'm very excited. Really. Please come. Jazzed, jazzed, jazzed. Are you going to be doing it live, live? Or are you going to pre-tape it? What's, uh, what's the move? Yeah. It's full. It's live from 8 p.m. here. So it's 12 at home, 12 in LA. Okay. Yeah, something like that. 12 Pacific. Uh, uh, three o'clock Eastern. Uh, three o'clock Eastern. <laughs> Is that your American accent? Yeah, dude. Uh, three uh, no, I just uh, come come and watch. It's gonna be great. Like I, I, I haven't played any of these songs. Rehe by the way, I rehearsed for my tour for three weeks, and did song after song after song. Got to like the point where we had the set together, all of the crash and banging noises in between songs, segue in between songs. We had it all ready. We had all that kind of stuff ready for the show and um, never got to do it. So we're kind of rehearsed, just need to kind of brush up. Yeah, get, get rid of the dust a, a little bit. Right. And, uh... Yeah, you're dusty right now. Yeah, dusty, dusty <laughs> horn. That's so mean. Dusty horn. <laughs> That is a nickname. I love that Dusty Horan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, guys, you see a lot of these different sports allowing like 10 to 20% capacity in the stadiums. Do you think that would work for music venues or do you guys kind of need like a fuller packed place? 
Uh, I think on the on the lower end, it's definitely possible you could squeeze some people in. But I think on the bigger venues, by the time you pay the venue, the security, the merch, the all the vendors, the yeah, it's not viable for anyone for the venue. Yeah, and you're and having you're having to charge astronomical prices to to justify opening the venue. It's tough. I don't know. And the average person, the average person goes to want to t probably 1.5 concerts a year <laughs> and and kind of can only afford if you're a mom with three kids and they're all going to the yeah. show that's you three kids their t-shirts their drinks their blah blah, blah. See, that's or you know it's a it's a massive expense so you can't really i wouldn't ask people to do it anyway yeah we have to be respectful of the fans you know people listening and until then we do live streams and they come from amazing venues and you can really Build out a set list, maybe, I don't know, how long is it going to be? An hour, two hours? What are we doing? Yeah, there's a production company that's been doing these kind of virtual, a few people did it, Dharma Kennedy did one, uh, I think Liam did one, there's been, kind of like a, there's been a production company that's been doing them, so I'm going to play for like an hour and 10 or 15 or something, uh, try and make it as fun as possible, um, and if you've never, if you're in America right now and you've you don't know what the Royal Albert Hall is, just Google it and you'll realize how beautiful this is going to look on camera. I'll be an eyesore in the middle of the screen like I am right now. But the, it is an absolute stunner. And the guy who's directing it, Paul, the guy who's directing the show, the Paul Dugdale, he's known for like, he did Reputation, Taylor Swift's thing, uh, stadium show. He did the One Day movie in Milan. He did Adele at the Royal Albert Hall. So he's kind of, he, anything big from this country, he's been directed he so please oh watch tickets on sale. Now we're going to put a link in the description below so you can buy it. Uh, very exciting. And remember the purchases of these tickets, they go to help out your crew and then crews all throughout Europe. And by the way, this is an industry very much affected that really could use our support, but also at the same time we get a great escape and we get great live music. Very Woo! exciting. I uh, appreciate the two Ew! of you very much. Dusty, Dusty Horan. Dusty Horan. <laughs> Dusty uh, Horan. Ashlyn Wilson. <laughs> oh, Dusty and Ash. That's kind of funny. Um, oh, no that's our guns? side. That's our side artist. Dusty and Ash. Dusty Ash. <laughs> Dusty Ash. <laughs> <laughs> oh. By the way. <laughs> Peace and love to both of you, Niall. I wish you many safe bike rides. Uh, Cheers, really, bud. Really scary. I don't know how you do that. You ride your bike around London. That would freak me out. Yeah, no. And this is the first time I've worn normal clothes in a few weeks. It's usually just lycra and Borat costumes. <laughs> just spandex? Yeah, just pure spandex constantly. Uh, peace and love to the both of you. Ash, uh, you, again, you're so close to me. But I say uh, hi, and thanks for changing up the background. This is a new background, right? This is just for you. Yeah, I moved. It used to be the, it was the kitchen before. It was <laughs> my kitchen, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know, we're mostly in my living room. I lit some candles for your ambiance pleasure. Oh, it really hit the spot, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What a treat. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's kind of a lot. It's kind of a lot going on, but it's the only background I have. So. Um, peace and love to you, too. It's so good please to vote. see you. Please vote for America. Yes. Oh, please vote. Uh, October 22nd, you want to get your mail-in ballots in by then, or vote November 3rd. We'll also put that link in the description to check your registration status. Rock on. You guys are amazing. Have a great day. This podcast is part of the Zach Sang Show Podcast Network.